Act One of Pippa Passes by Robert Browning. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act One Morning. Up the hillside inside the shrub house, Luca's wife, Otima, and her paramour, the German, Siebald. Let the watching lids wink, days ablaze with eyes think, deep into the night drink. Night? Such may be your Rhineland nights, perhaps, but this blood-red beam through the shutter's chink, we call such light the mornings. Let us see. Mind how you grope your way, though. How these tall naked geraniums straggle. Push the lattice, behind that frame. Nay, do I bid you? Sebald, it shakes the dust down on me. Why, of course, the slide-bolt catches. Well, are you content, or must I find you something else to spoil? Kiss and be friends, my Sebald. Is it full morning? Oh, don't speak, then. Ay, thus it used to be. Ever your house was, I remember, shut till midday. I observed that, as I strolled on mornings through the vale here, country girls were noisy, washing garments in the brook. Hines drove the slow white oxen up the hills. But no, your house was mute, would open no eye, and wisely, you were plotting one thing there, nature another outside. I looked up, rough white wood shutters, rusty iron bars, silent as death, blind in a flood of light. Oh, I remember. And the peasants laughed and said, The old man sleeps with the young wife. This house was his. This chair, this window, his. Ah, the clear morning. I can see St. Mark's. That black streak is the belfry. Stop, Vincenza should lie. There's Padua, plain enough, that blue. Look o'er my shoulder, follow my finger. Morning? It seems to me a night with a sun added. Where's dew? Where's freshness? That bruised plant, I bruised in getting through the lattice yestereve droops as it did. See, here's my elbow's mark in the dust on the sill. Oh, shut the lattice, pray. Let me lean out. I cannot scent blood here, foul as the morn may be. There, shut the world out. How do you feel now, Otama? There, curse the world, and all outside. Let us throw off this mask. How do you bear yourself? Let's out with all of it. Best never speak of it. Best speak again, and yet again of it, till words cease to be more than words. His blood, for instance. Let those two words mean his blood, and nothing more. Notice, I'll say them now, his blood. Assuredly, if I repented the deed. Repent? Who should repent, or why? What puts that in your head? Did I once say that I repented? No, I said the deed. The deed, and the event. Just now it was our passion's fruit. The devil takes such cant. Say, once and always, Luca was a Watteau. I am his cutthroat. You are— Here is the wine. I brought it when we left the house above. And glasses, too. Wine of both sorts. Black, white, then? But am not I his cutthroat? What are you? There trudges on his business from the Duomo, Benet the Capuchin, with his brown hood and bare feet. 
always in one place at church, close under the stone wall by the south entry. I used to take him for a brown cold piece of the wall's self, as out of it he rose to let me pass. At first, I say, I used. Now, so has that dumb figure fastened on me, I rather should account the plastered wall a piece of him, so chilly does it strike. This, Sebald? No, the white wine, the white wine. Well, Otama, I promise no new year should rise on us the ancient shameful way. Nor does it rise. Pour on. To your black eyes. Do you remember last damn New Year's Day? You brought those foreign prints. We looked at them over the wine and fruit. I had to scheme to get him from the fire. Nothing but saying his own set wants the proof mark roused him up to hunt them out. Faith, he is not alive to fondle you before my face. Do you fondle me, then? Who means to take your life for that, my Sebald? Hark you, Otima. One thing's to guard against. We'll not make much one of the other. That is, not make more parade of warmth, childish, officious coil, than yesterday. As if, sweet, I supposed proof upon proof was needed now. Now first, to show I love you. Yes, still love you. Love you in spite of Luca and what's come to him. Sure sign we had him ever in our thoughts, white, sneering, old, reproachful face and all. We'll even quarrel, love, at times, as if we still could lose each other. We're not tied by this. Conceive you? Love. Not tied so sure, because though I was wrought upon, have struck his insolence back into him, am I so surely yours? Therefore, forever yours? Love, to be wise, one counsel pays another, should we have months ago, when first we loved. For instance, that May morning we two stole under the green ascent of sycamores. If we had come upon a thing like that suddenly... A thing. There again. A thing. Then, Venus's body, had we come upon my husband Luca Gaddy's murdered corpse within there, at his couch-foot, covered close, would you have poured upon it? Why persist in pouring now upon it? For tis here, as much as there in the deserted house. You cannot rid your eyes of it. For me, now he is dead, I hate him worse. I hate. Dare you stay here? I would go back and hold his two dead hands and say, I hate you worse, Luca, than— Off, off, take your hands off mine. Tis the hot evening. Off. Oh, morning, is it? There's one thing must be done, you know what thing. Come in and help to carry. We may sleep anywhere in the whole wide house to-night. What would come, think you, if we let him lie just as he is? Let him lie there until the angels take him. He is turned by this off from his face, beside, as you will see. This dusty pane might serve for looking-glass. Three, four, four gray hairs. Is it so you said, a plate of hair should wave across my neck? No, this way. Otima, I would give your neck, each splendid shoulder, both those breasts of yours, that this were undone. Killing? Kill the world, so Luca lives again. I lives to sputter his fulsome dotage on you. Yes, and feign surprise that I returned at eve to sup, when all the morning I was loitering here. Bid me dispatch my business and be gone. I would— See. No, I'll finish. 
Do you think I fear to speak the bare truth once for all? All we have talked of is, at bottom, fine to suffer. There's a recompense in guilt. One must be venturous and fortunate. What is one young for else? In age will sigh over the wild, reckless, wicked days flown over. Still we have lived. The vice was in its place. But to have eaten Luca's bread, have worn his clothes, have felt his money swell my purse, do lovers in romances sin that way? Why, I was starving, when I used to call and teach you music, starving while you plucked me those flowers to smell. My poor lost friend. He gave me life, nothing less. What if he did reproach my perfidy, and threaten, and do more? Had he no right? What was to wonder at? He sate by us at table quietly. Why must you lean across till our cheeks touched? Could he do less than make pretense to strike me? Tis not for the crime's sake. I'd commit ten crimes greater to have this crime wiped out, undone. And you, oh, how feel you? Feel you for me. Well, then, I love you better now than ever, and best, look at me while I speak to you, best for the crime. Nor do I grieve in truth. This mask, this simulated ignorance, this affectation of simplicity, falls off our crime. This naked crime of ours may not now be looked over. Look it down, then. Great, let it be great, but the joys it brought, pay they or no its price. Come, they or it. Speak not. The past, would you give up the past, such as it is, pleasure and crime together? Give up that noon I owned my love for you, the garden's silence. Even the single bee, persisting in his toil, suddenly stopped, and where he hid you only could surmise by some Capanula's chalice set a swing as he clung there. Yes, I love you. And I drew back, put far back your face with both my hands, lest you should grow too full of me. Your face so seemed a thirst for my whole soul and body. And when I ventured to receive you here, made you steal hither in the mornings. When I used to look up neath the shrub house here, till the red fire on its glazed windows spread to a yellow haze. Ah, my sign was the sun, inflamed on the sere side of yon chestnut tree, nipped by the first frost. You would always laugh at my wet boots. I had to stride through grass over my ankles. Then our crowning night. The July night? The day of it, too, Sebald, when the heaven's pillars seemed overbowed with heat. Its black-blue canopy seemed let descend close on us both, to weigh down each to each, and smother up all life except our life. So lay we till the storm came. How it came! Buried in woods we lay, you recollect. Swift ran the searching tempest overhead and ever and anon some bright white shaft burnt through the pine-tree roof here burnt and there, as if God's messenger through the close wood-screen plunged and replunged his weapon at a venture, feeling for guilty thee and me, then broke the thunder like a whole sea overhead. Yes. While I stretched myself upon you, hands to hands, my mouth to your hot mouth, and shook all my locks loose, and covered you with them, you, Sebald, the same you. Slower, Otima. And as we lay. Less vehemently. Love me. Forgive me. Take not words, 
mere words, to heart. Your breath is worse than wine. Breathe slow, speak slow. Do not lean on me. Sebald, as we lay, rising and falling only with our pants, who said, Let death come now, tis right to die, right to be punished, not complete such bliss but woe. Who said that? How did we ever rise? Wast that we slept? Why did it end? I felt you, fresh tapering to a point the ruffled ends of my loose locks, twixt both your humid lips. My hair is fallen now, knotted again. I kiss you now, dear Otima, now, and now, this way. Will you forgive me, be once more my great queen? Bind it thrice about my brow, crown me your queen, your spirit's arbitress, magnificent in sin, say that. I crown you, my great white queen, my spirit's arbitress, magnificent. From without is heard the voice of Pippa singing. The years at the spring and days at the morn, mornings at seven, the hillsides dew pearled, the larks on the wing, the snails on the thorn, God's in his heaven, all's right with the world. Pippa passes. God's in his heaven. Do you hear that? Who spoke? You, you spoke. Oh, that little ragged girl. She must have rested on the step. We give them but this one holiday the whole year round. Did you ever see our silk mills, their inside? There are ten silk mills now belonging to you. She stoops to pick my double heartsies. Shh, she does not hear. You call out louder. Leave me. Go, get your clothes on. Dress those shoulders. Seabald? Wipe off that paint. I hate you. Miserable. My God, and she is emptied of it now, outright now. How miraculously gone, all of the grace. Had she not strange grace once? Why, the blank cheek hangs listless as it likes. No purpose holds the features up together. Only the cloven brow and puckered chin stay in their places. And the very hair, that seemed to have a sort of life in it, drops a dead web. Speak to me, speak not of me. That round, great, full-orbed face, where not an angle broke the delicious indolence, all broken. To me, not of me, ungrateful, perjured cheat, a coward, too, but ingrates worse than all. Beggar, my slave, a fawning, cringing lie. Leave me, betray me, I can see your drift, a lie that walks and eats and drinks. My God, those morbid, olive, faultless shoulder-blades! I should have known there was no blood beneath. You hate me, then? You hate me, then? To think she would succeed in her absurd attempt, and fascinate by sinning, and show herself superior, guilt from its excess, superior to innocence. That little peasant's voice has righted all again. Though I be lost, I know which is the better, never fear. Of vice or virtue, purity or lust, nature or trick, I see what I have done entirely now. Oh, I am proud to feel such torments. Let the world take credit thence. I, having done my deed, pay to its price. I hate, hate, curse you. God's in his heaven. Me, 
Me! No, no, Sebald! Not yourself! Kill me! Mine is the whole crime. Do but kill me, then yourself, then presently, first hear me speak. I always meant to kill myself. Wait, you! Lean on my breast, not as a breast. Don't love me the more because you lean on me, my own heart's Sebald. There, there, both deaths presently. My brain is drowned now, quite drowned. All I feel is, is at swift recurring intervals, a hurrying down within me, as of waters loosened to smother up some ghastly pit. There they go, whirls from a black fiery sea. Not to me, God, to him be merciful. Talk by the way, while Pippa is passing from the hillside to Orcana. Foreign students of painting and sculpture from Venice assembled opposite the house of Jules, a young French statuary. Attention! My own post is beneath this window, but the pomegranate clump yonder will hide three or four of you with a little squeezing, and Shrum and his pipe must lie flat in the balcony. Four, five, who's a defaulter? We want everybody, for Shrill must not be suffered to hurt his bride when the jest's found out. All here, only our poets away, never having much meant to be present, Moon strike him. The heirs of that fellow, that Giovaccino. He was in violent love with himself, and had a fair prospect of thriving in his suit, so unmolested was it, when suddenly a woman falls in love with him too, and out of pure jealousy he takes himself off to Trieste, immortal poem and all. Whereto is this prophetical epitaph appended already, as Blue Fox assures me? Here a mammoth poem lies, fouled to death by butterflies. His own fault, the simpleton. Instead of cramped couplets, each like a knife in your entrails, he should write, says Blue Fox, both classically and intelligibly. Ascalopius, an epic, catalogue of the drugs. Hebe's plaster, one strip cools your lip. Phoebus's emulsion, one bottle clears your throttle. Mercury's bolus, one box cures... Subside, my fine fellow. If the marriage was over by ten o'clock, Gilles will certainly be here in a minute with his bride. Good. Only so should the poet's muse have been universally acceptable, says Blue Fox, at Cannabis Nostris, and Delia, not better known to our literary dogs than the boy, Giovaccino. To the point now. Where's Gottlieb, the newcomer? Oh, listen, Gottlieb, to what has called down this piece of friendly vengeance on Jules, of which we now assemble to witness the winding up. We are all agreed, all in a tale, observe, when Jules shall burst out on us in a fury by and by. I am spokesman. The verses that are to undeceive Jules bear my name of Lutwich. But each professes himself alike insulted by this strutting stone squarer who came singly from Paris to Munich and thence with a crowd of us to Venice and Posanio here, but proceeds in a day or two alone again, oh, alone indubitably, to Rome and Florence. He forsooth take up his portion with these dissolute, brutalized, heartless bunglers. So he was heard to call us all. Now, is Shram brutalized, I should like to know? Am I heartless? Why, somewhat heartless, 
for suppose jewels are coxcomb as much as you choose. Still, for this mere coxcombry, you will have brushed off, what do folks style it? The bloom of his life. Is it too late to alter? These love-letters now you call his. I can't laugh at them. Because you never read the sham letters of our indicting which drew forth these. His discovery of the truth will be frightful. That's the joke, but you should have joined us at the beginning. There's no doubt he loves the girl, loves a model he might hire by the hour. See here, he has been accustomed, he writes, to have Canova's women about him in stone and the world's women beside him in flesh. These being as much below as those above his soul's aspiration. But now he is to have the real... There, you laugh again. I say you wipe off the very dew of his youth. Shrum! Take the pipe out of his mouth, somebody. Will she lose the bloom of his youth? Nothing worth keeping is ever lost in this world. Look at a blossom. It drops presently, having done its service and lasted its time. But fruits succeed and where would be the blossom's place could it continue? As well affirm that your eye is no longer in your body, because its earliest favorite, whatever it may have first loved to look on, is dead and done with, as that any affection is lost to the soul when its first object, whatever happened first to satisfy it, is superseded in due course. Keep but ever looking, whether with the body's eye or the mind's, and you will soon find something to look on. Has a man done wondering at women? There follow men, dead and alive, to wonder at. Has he done wondering at men? There's God to wonder at, and the faculty of wonder may be, at the same time, old and tired enough with respect to its first object, and yet young and fresh sufficiently, so far as concerns its novel one. Thus, Put Shram's pipe into his mouth again. There you see. Well, this shrill, a wretched frivol. Oh, I watched his disporting at Posanio the other day. Canoma's gallery, you know. There he marches first resolvedly past great works by the dozen without vouchsafing an eye. All at once he stops full at the Psychifanchula. Cannot pass that old acquaintance without a nod of encouragement. In your new place, beauty, then behave yourself as well here as at Munich. I see you. Next he posts himself deliberately before the unfinished Pieta for half an hour without moving, till up he starts of a sudden and thrusts his very nose into, I say, into the group by which gesture you are informed that precisely the sole point he had not fully mastered in Canova's practice was a certain method of using the drill in the articulation of the knee joint, and that likewise has he mastered at length. Goodbye, therefore, to poor Canova, whose gallery no longer need detain his successor Jill, the predestined novel thinker in marble. Tell him about the women. Go on to the women. Why, on that matter, he could never be supercilious enough. 
how should we be other he said than the poor devils you see with those debasing habits we cherish he was not to wallow in that mire at least he would wait and love only at the proper time and meanwhile put up with the psyche fanchula now i happen to hear of a young greek real greek girl at malamocco a true islander do you see with alchifron's hair like simos shramnos white and quiet as an apparition and fourteen years old at farthest a daughter of natalia so she swears that hag natalia who helps us to models at three lire an hour we selected this girl for the heroine of our jest so first jules received a scented letter somebody had seen his tideos at the academy and my picture was nothing to it a profound admirer bade him persevere would make herself known to him ere long paulina my little friend of the Phoenice, transcribes divinely and in due time the mysterious correspondent gave certain hints of her peculiar charms the pale cheeks the black hair whatever in short had struck us in our malamocca model we retained her name too fine which is by interpretation sea eagle now think of jules finding himself distinguished from the herd of us by such a creature in his very first answer he proposed marrying his monitress and fancy us over these letters two three times a day to receive and dispatch i concocted the main of it relations were in the way secrecy must be observed in fine would he wed her on trust and only speak to her when they were indissolubly united st, st, here they come both of them heaven's love speak softly speak within yourselves look at the bridegroom half his hair in storm and half in calm patted down over the left temple like a frothy cup one blows on to cool it and the same old blouse that he murders the marble in not a rich vest like yours hannibal scratchy rich that your face may the better set it off and the bride yes sure enough our Feeny. should you have known her in her clothes how magnificently pale she does not also take it for earnest i hope oh natalia's concern that is we settle with natalia she does not speak has evidently let out no word the only thing is will she equally remember the rest of her lesson and repeat correctly all those verses which are to break the secret to jewels how he gazes on her pity pity may go in now silence new three not nearer the window mind than that pomegranate just where the little girl a few minutes ago past us singing is seated end of act one